Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Stage 4 of the Tour de France Femme Avex with from Kaol, where uh, Yaman Laporte won last year to Rodez. So it's actually, yeah, they're leaving Kaol, and this is a hard old stage. 178K is one of the longest stages we've ever covered in women's cycling, the longest stages in the Tour de France Femme Avex with this year, and it's not flat either. The last hour of this, the last 40 kilometers, is pretty much all up and down with but yeah the first 130 k's is mostly flat but there is a a decent climb at the start of the stage in the first 25 30 minutes where a break could form then it's flat who's going to control then some more climbing in there as i said like uh two cat threes a cat two and then a, a punchy uphill finish the sort of one where after a hard day it doesn't look like much but you can suddenly lose time on the road if you're emptying the legs at the end of this stage so I thought it was a really, really great stage design and conducive to some pretty exciting racing. And that's actually what we got, Benji, because yesterday was a little yeah. bit flat, I must say. Van der Velder accepted. Um, but today, it seemed like it was on from the gun. Yeah, we had a, a large breakaway in the race. And that breakaway formed in the way that you would expect a large breakaway to form this year. Because we've seen that every large breakaway that goes up the road SD-Works tends to react the same way, right? As in, at Paris-Roubaix-Femme, a large breakaway, con- breakaway control. It didn't really work out for SD-Works, so they put someone in the breakaway. Then it was uh, Femke Marcus. And now in this breakaway, Christina Majerus was the rider they set in the breakaway. And that is basically a green light for every other team that this breakaway will go, because everybody else wants to go in the breakaway. So Sheila Gutierrez of Movistar in there. We've got Lebecki, Lucinda Brandt, good rider. Katarine Hammer has been fighting for the QM points to get away. The likes of Anushka Koster also been doing that. Talita de Jong, Korovar, Romy Kasper, two riders from Phoenix de Koning. That is Yara Kastelein and Marte Truyen. Truyen is the rider that was sprinting for them in the final group in Roubaix Fama as well. Then Lemuel Cordorago, close in GC, 221 back. And Arzufi also. Now, special to note as well is that Yara Kastelein is also close in GC. So, 241 back. That is a major breakaway. and. The second that I saw that SD-Works had a rider in there, I thought this breakaway wins because this always happens when SD-Works puts a rider in the breakaway. The breakaway always wins. Now, I will say, I was still surprised by the amount of teams that ended up helping SD-Works in the later phases of this race in trying to control this breakaway. The gap went up to 10 minutes initially. With 60k to go, it was 10 minutes. And then we're nearing those hills and SD-Works starts riding. Wibus, Cecchini, and Bredewald are the three riders they use in that phase. 
But then suddenly UAE and Kenyan Shram started helping as D-Works, and yeah, they missed the move, but they shouldn't be riding, right? It was kind of like DSM yesterday, where I was like, I, I really don't have a problem with, it, with DSM pacing yesterday. I actually don't. Mm -hmm. The problem is, right, if you begin a game with chicken or cat and mouse, if at the end of the day you know you're going to lose that game because really you want the stage more than them, start pacing at one minute. Don't let it go to two minutes, 20 DSM, because now, now you have to use your whole team. It's like the same thing with UAE or Canyon. If you really were worried about this breakaway, Put a, put a rider to keep it from going out of control when it's at four minutes, five minutes. Or be in it. Yeah, it was an obvious one that this ideal, break was going to be the one that was going to make it once Majlis was in there. But it's also the response to that. I agree, but I'm also of the opinion that if I'm the DS and the team core of UAE and Kenny Shram and I see that the situation is unfolding, I want SD Works to spend every dime they have in their team and then I try and counter them with rolling attacks. That's how I see that. But the way they did it was they started helping them. And, and then I feel like they're already riding for the podium and not for the victory in this race. Um, yeah, I don't know why they would, to be honest, because Kapeki's in yellow. She doesn't want Rago or Castellan taking her yellow jersey for free. So for sure, SD Works will pace at some point or continue pacing. And that sort of that theme, by the way, is relevant to the end of this stage. Because yes, Cordon yeah. Rago at 221 and Castellan at 241, the two dangers in this breakaway. They're close on GC, and you know, ten minutes is a serious gap, and this is a long stage. You don't, we don't have a lot of data in race situations of how maybe, you know, of how t teammates or domestiques could respond at the end of such a long stage. And when it comes to the likes of Yara Castellane, two minutes behind only on T on two thousand in Romandy last year, so she's not a terrible climber either. If she has a gap of six seven minutes after today in GC, then she can win the Tour de France Femme with yeah. that potentially well, so look at her. like she, look how strong she is on the flat she's so slight she must climb well like her, th yep. her 30 minute power today must have been good so yep. she must climb okay and so yeah she's a real danger call on her go probably will lose a fair bit of time on yeah in the mountains but yeah this is we, we then get into the hill phase so this is all the build up into the hill phase we, we get now into the Cote de Colombie Colombie Pierre uh, anyway, 6.6k is 4.2%. That's quite difficult. There's a bonus sprint afterwards. And to me, before this stage, sometimes you've got to keep it simple. And listen, sometimes, you know, my advice would be, you know, for Yumbo, big mountain, Jonas Fingergaard, small man, big mountain, he go fast. He smash. That's my advice. Small man go fast. Um <laughs> My advice here would be Arden triple winner, Arden's finish, Arden triple winner go smash, demi volering. Yep. That's that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep it simple. And so, yeah, when Chikini dropped Benji, Bredevold attacked. I didn't really understand it because I thought they would just do one by one by one cycle through the domestiques, volering attack, Madras satellite up the road, happy days. That is exactly the perfect strategy that should have been on the menu for SD Works. You said it. They should have set up a launching pad for Vollering to try and bridge two Majerus up the road. If you drop Van Vleuten, ideal. If you don't drop Van Vleuten, you dropped everybody else and you can benefit from the fact that it's a one-horse race, a two-horse race in the coming days. So there's two scenarios there. But what they did today was Bredewold attacking. Like, that's already 
I was like, maybe they're trying to set Breedwold up to then have as a satellite rider again to bridge to her and then Majerus, but it's starting to get really complex here yeah. to manage for a team car that is usually not great at managing so many things at the same time. No offense, but the SD Works team car is not the, the brightest based on previous races. And the response to this move was also kind of curious, to be honest, because like, Balsamo following for track is understandable. They were trying to put someone in there as a similar satellite rider option, maybe. But then they started chasing as well behind together with Diaz. And I'm like, who cares if Bredewell gets 10 minutes here? Like, then, then suddenly, Lukopeki's going to be like, well, my yellow jersey's riding away while Bredewell is riding away. So then DSM has to choose, uh, then SD Works has to choose again. So I think the other teams also responded wrongly on whatever this Bredewell attack was that eventually got caught. And because of the Bredewell attack, Wibbs was dropping at the back. So you're losing a domestique while you're yeah. basically also losing a domestique by using her efforts at the front as well. And once Bredewald was caught, Kopecky attacks. And here I'm wondering, is this the same scenario as Bredewald trying to get someone on the road? Or is this more the scenario of, oh, Kopecky wants to protect our yellow jersey? I don't really know. Initially, I thought the first Kopecky attack, I thought it was... I think I thought they were trying to do a satellite. I think they were trying to do a satellite rider thing initially. And I don't believe in satellite riders from... Your own group, I've yeah. rarely seen it work in my life. Like, the satellite rider has to be in the breakaway initially. I've not really seen it too successful where the rider, like what Pog tried to do with Yates, that didn't work at all on the Betex. Yeah. It um, has to be a scenario where the group that you're in doesn't have any other domestiques from other teammates to close down your satellite rider. Because then the GC leaders will have to spend energy chasing it down. And that could have happened. But Volering was pacing behind Kopecky or was in two <laughs> minds. And so then I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I really couldn't. I was like, and it's a big group, by the way. It's not like mm -hmm. the five GC contenders. It's like a group of 20. And Kopecky's dangling at 15 seconds. I think there was a phase where maybe Trek paced it back. With, well, Nividoma was yeah. in her wheel the first time, right? Yeah, she was in her wheel the first time. And when Nividoma was in that, that wheel the first time, Trek closed it down. and. When I, when I look at the scenario of, for example, the one you said there, that Kopecky was up the road and Volring behind was at the front of the group, this shows to me the issue there as well. As in, Volring in that group, her attack was hard pacing at the front of the group for a kilometer. And in, if you're doing that, you might as well have Kopecky lead you out in front of Volring because the separation that you're going to get is going to be minimal doing that. So you need to have initial separation be able to bridge to a satellite rider and that never happened here and pacing at the, f the group for a kilometer is just pretty useless because i, I swear that kopecky after the race said that following was supposed to join her but never came so that suggests that they were trying to some magical satellite rider complex strategy of having volring bridge to kopecky yeah, and so forth but kopecky's why kopecky's not the best rider on this parkour or the best top five riders like Elisa Longo Borghini, if Kopecky's pacing ahead, she can close it on a climb. She's a way yeah. better on this parkour than, and we saw that later. Like, this is not a tour of flight. These, these are 4K, 5% climbs, 3K, 2.5K, 7% climbs. These are Ardennes plus climbs. Like, it's Kopecky's, to me, it's. To me, they should have just done a full lead out on. They should have cycled through yeah. the rise and then on the 7% climb, done a full lead out for Volering. Um, 
and had Madras wait. The, the Cat 3, the last one, just do a full lead out with Kapeki, Volring attack. And, and this is what was weird behind. Movistar kind of sensed that there was something funny going on with SD Works. Yeah. They definitely sensed indecision, and I think they perceived that as Volring weakness, perhaps. And which is not true. Volring, Volring legs today. This is why I'm being so critical. Yeah. Um, and also, just as a preface, we're not talking about Castellan enough. We will get to her in a second. SD Works, I think maybe we do single out a little bit because like they have a very healthy budget. Do you, what was it reported as, Benji? Three, four million? SD Works budget? Four million. Four million. Like for women's, they got a good budget. They got the best riders. So the, the, the standard is high. Like the, you know, you got European champion, leader of the World Tour women's, rank, women's World Tour rankings, Belgian champion, you know, so they are then triple winner. So that's why it's like, well, yeah, the standards are quite high. And, um, but yeah, ahead Benji, there was her teammate Majerus in the breakaway. The breakaway's thinning out, thinning out. It's still got a healthy gap though. Like it was still, with all this happening behind, the gap kind of, it had brought, been brought down to five minutes, but the gap really stalled at like 3.30, four minutes. And Castelline just hits that breakaway and she's gone. Cordonra goes with her for a little bit, but she can't hang with her at all. And Castelline just goes with 20k solo, uh, 20k's plus. Like, Phoenix to Koenig, hats off to them. They heartbreak yesterday with Van der Velde, who was incredibly strong. And then today, like, Castellan was just unreal again, and she was unreal in stage two, I think. So Phoenix to Koenig playing it perfectly. They had numbers in the breakaway too. And when Castellan went, Benji, mm -hmm. yeah, and I saw how power, how strong she was, I was like, they're not. And the way SD works was sort of doing the Kapeki thing. I was like, they're never catching her. Because yeah. no one's got any domestiques and Castelline is flying. Yeah, she was just shredding the group, eh? So Cordona go tried to close down, came close, but then dropped and cracked completely. So yeah. the Castelline attack was of such length that it wasn't just attacking for a bit and then slowing the tempo and doing a manageable tempo. It was like hard pacing the entire time until the top of this damn climb for well, as if her life depended on it and the gap to the group behind to that to that actual gc group was was not necessarily diving down at a speed that you'd expect when a gc group is going all out behind and we get to the scenario behind where kopecky is still riding in front of the group basically we're going into one of the the harder climbs on the parkour with let's say about eight kilometers to go and we see a move by movistar right yeah, they, and... they. I didn't see this is the one that where they lost me because Movistar mm -hmm. tried, got no issue with it. You try, you test Volering. What what are SD Works doing? Bit weird. Is Volering on a bad day? Because that you could interpret that. Because Kapeki, when she got brought back the first time, she spoke to Volering and then attacked again, and you yep. could perceive that as weakness. And so they tried her, and Volering closed it easily, no problem. In fact, AVV the first time to me, I mean, she always looks bad on the bike, but she, <laughs> she was losing the wheel, the wheel a couple of times, and Volering was in there easily. And yeah. then Kapeki went again, and it was like, she was just dangling there. And I was like, is she riding to protect her yellow for tomorrow for Castline? Because she got it to like 240. That was the only yeah. explanation I could have. The next time that, and this is why I think both Movistar Movistar kind of got lucky today, and SD Works almost got lucky too. They, they did what I thought SD Works should have done for Volering. They launch 
try to launch ADD with Gutierrez. Gutierrez is actually too strong. And Volering just gets in Gutierrez's wheel the second time and is getting towed across. Gutierrez looks back, sees AV's on a gap, and Volering goes over the top. And then Gutierrez has to go back and paces Volering back. And so it was clear to me, that it's clear from this stage that Volering was stronger than uh, Van Vleuten today on this parkour. She did more work. We see in the final, we see on this climb. And yeah, you can't, I'm very sure, I'm oh, not, not very, I'm, I really believe that on that 2K 7% climb, if SD Works lit it up for her and had Madras ahead, she's taking decent, decent time on the road to AVV today. But that didn't happen. And so the yep. group comes back. Madras, by the way, Castellan's gone. So let's, let's be clear. When Kopecky stalled at 220 yep. in that chase, and then, by the way, Kopecky, she got caught when Movistar moved and got dropped like a bad habit on that climb. It was clear with like 15Ks to go that Castellan was winning this stage. The break chasing with Majerus and co. not really chasing and Cordon Rigaud was always at a minute 12, minute 15. The GC group was really not under two minutes for much of the time. That situation never changed. It was clear for a long time. Castellan was ahead, winning this stage. SD Works, Benji, they never dropped back Majerus. And, and it's like... Yeah. Labu's attacking in the final. Gapeki's having to close it, but she's kind of fucked. And they're relying on lucky AG Insurance dropped Casper back, or she was there to pace for Mormon. The summary is simple, actually. Movistar used their satellite rider with Gutierrez. AG Insurance used Casper as satellite rider. We didn't see SD Works use Majerus at all. They tried a satellite rider from the GC group while they had a satellite rider ahead, which is kind of crazy to think about it. But the summary is simple of this stage. SD Works, if they had competent strategies today, they could have taken time. And because of that, we saw some weakness in Van Vleuten, but they didn't take time. No, they didn't take enough time, I would say, to call it a good, a good stage for them. Because we come towards, first of all, Yara Castellane finishes off the stage. She wins the stage ahead of the other riders, but not necessarily two minutes anymore. So she ain't getting into yellow. Kopecky's yellow is safe from the situations that were occurring behind. But Yara Kostlane winning this stage is really a, a crown on the achievements of Phoenix Akuning on these so last few days. Because stage one, they were super active with Kostlane and with Julie van der Velde. Stage two, they, well, stage, stage three, I mean, they were very active with van der Velde that nearly won the stage after taking QM as well. And then today we see Action in the breakaway, Marta Trajan being in there, Yara Kastelain being in there, trying launching Kastelain, Kastelain going. And she's just the strongest rider in this breakaway. And yeah. they've been showing action every single day and have been the most impressive team in this race so far, I would say. Uh, yeah, it was so well-deserved. I was super happy. It's her first professional win. She's a, She won the European Cyclocross Championship, so she's a cyclocross rider. Oh, previously, she's actually contracted till the end of 2026 on Phoenix to Koenig, so they obviously have a lot, of, a lot of faith in her and her development. 25 years old, young rider, and what a win. I think maybe her family were there at the finish. And, you know, she came 10th in flesh this year. Like, she came 3rd and 9th in flesh last year. She's not just some average, you know, climber. And if she's improved and, and is improving as she's been focusing more on the road in the summer as opposed to CX earlier in the year. Like, 
I wonder where she can go in GC now. But yeah, she doesn't get the yellow jersey. She wins by... She beat her breakaway companions by over a minute 12 to Anushka Costa. Like, incredibly strong (laughs) ride. Solo. And she didn't look like slowing down. And same with Vandervelde yesterday too. So yeah, super happy for them. And and finished to kind of... Kind of, they're not... They're not the other. They're, they're not the Canyon Shrams or the other teams who are always fighting SD Works, but they're the ones that get that W today. I know that you often say that Danny van Poppel is Belgian and so forth. Us as Belgians, we sometimes claim Vanderpool, but I'm claiming Yara Kostlein. She's Belgian now, so I'm sorry, Why? Dutch people. I've stolen her. Where's Neerkant? <laughs> it's now in Belgium. I've just moved it. She deserves to be here. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, actually, no, that can't be true. The, the Belgian rider I saw today was riding 15 seconds in a chasse behind Yara Castellan. <laughs> hey, Martha, try and road grade, eh? Let's be honest. Yeah. Anyway, fantastic. I want to make sure we give a proper shout-out to Castellan and, yeah. and Phoenix to Koenig before we sort of, yeah, we get back into the chase group. Labu counters looking very good. It's always interesting to see. We're now, like, the last 5Ks of the longest stage. Like, who... Who is good after fatigue? We don't often see this. You know, who is really good after the fatigue in a stage like this? Labu looking good. But yeah, she's brought back by Casper and Kopecky. And then Van Vleuten launches. Van Vleuten super aggressive today. And I think cost herself time, in fact. I don't think yep. AV had to lose time today, but super aggressive. Attacks at Vollering. Vollering's going nowhere. AVV's dying on the bike. Vollering counters her easily and takes two seconds on the road going past Anushka Costa. She comes second on the stage, Costa third, and Vollering posts up in it. I'm not sure if I won post up. So, uh, which I don't understand because, okay, Olympic road race, there's no radios. There's no radios, but here there's radios. And as I said, like, Castelline didn't counterattack Costa in the yeah. last three Ks. The race situation was quite stable from the breakaway. Castelline attacked with a half an hour plus left. She was always winning. I don't understand how they couldn't have known she was like a minute ahead too. Like I stay with the same opinion. I think the issue at SD works. The riders are fucking good. But I think in the team car, that's where the problem is. We've said it for two years straight that there's been weird strategies, weird tactics, super complex things where easy stuff can be done. Super, just basically races where they just do stupid shit from the beginning. And then there's also these radio issues, and it's not the first time, and I'm like, I straight up think it's a team car issue at that team. Is Anna van der Breggen Michael Jordan? I have no clue what that means. I know it's a basketball like player. Like the GOAT player, and then man- like management doesn't mean you're the best because he bought the Charlotte Hornets or It's Bobcats. very possible. And they were not, they've not been good. <laughs> but she's not alone in the car, and I'm pretty sure Danny Stum's in there as well. But I also heard that... They had one team car in the race instead of two. I read that on Twitter today, which is... But, like, Madras is in the break, man. Madras is ahead. So they have someone on the ground (laughs) ahead who's... She'll be like, Castellan's gone. She's ahead. (laughs) She's gone. And then you had, like, the the race radio across the last 20Ks from the the neutral race radio from the race would have been saying, Castellan gap 111, 115, two minutes. Like, I don't understand. Um, But anyway... In the end, Vollering takes eight seconds on Van Vleuten, uh, who finishes fourth because of the bonies. Longoborghini fifth, Nuvidoma sixth, Mormon seventh, uh, Celia Lemuel from Saint Michel, who's in the breakaway eighth, as well as Hammers uh, ninth. Labou loses 10 seconds actually after attacking. Madras just finishes there. Kopecky loses a little bit of time. The main GC riders who lost time and proper time is 
uh, Sant Esteban and Lippert and yeah. Ludwig and Garcia lost a minute on the road to Vollering. So an attritional stage, Persico also, Persico Balfind and Ewers lost a minute 10, a minute 20, same with Magnaldi and Music. So a hard old stage. And um, I, I really think, uh, yeah, I really think uh, not good for AVV, but I almost think this is a moral victory for AVV. I, if I was Movistar, yeah. I would be like, we got away. We, we got away with one there. That could have yeah, been I worse. Think so. I think so. Van Vleuten could have lost. Could have lost at least thirty seconds today if SD Works played it right, and they fucked it up completely. But they still gained time because Volring is just that she's, good on this parkour good, yeah. versus Van Vleuten. But I also think that if you're Van Vleuten, and it's probably not good for your mental being either that on the last hill stage before the mountain stage. Following kind of drops you. So it's kind of a, an edge with two, a sword with two edges, right? Not an edge with two swords, yeah, a sword with two could, edges. You could say, oh, well, I attacked her twice. I attacked her in the finish and then she gapped me with her explosivity at the end. But of course, yeah, yeah like you don't want to get dropped on the road. It's never good uphill, yeah. you know, even if it's a short punch. But like Volring dropped her in the Ardennes. So yeah, uh, how does that play for... The long climbs, Tormelay, I don't really know. I don't think anyone does yet. Um, yeah. but it's going to be a close battle. I hope it is. I think it'll be close, yeah. Anyway, Kapeki keeps her GC lead by 43 seconds ahead of Volering, who moves into second. She's now got a little bit of a gap on AVV, Mulman, Nuviodoma, Longa, Borghini. The, the second tier of GC contenders is quite clearly Mulman, Nuviodoma, Longa, Borghini. I think in a linear race, they will be fighting for third. Mulman has looked very, very strong on parkour. That's not actually the best for her. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I think Mulman right now is almost the favorite for third based on the longer climbs where I think she'll be better than this parkour. And um, we have a really interesting race at the moment. Like uh, Anushka Koska goes into the QOM jersey after taking a lot of points in the breakaway. Gasparini begins her march into the youth jersey. She's in third, but closing in on Kerbowal. And yeah, SD Works are winning the team's classification. But yeah, I, I think a good stage, Benji, and a, a very big, they tried a longer stage, and I think yeah. it was it. Okay, we talked a lot about tactics, but that's good. I'd rather talk about tactics all day that do this, what happened there. That means stuff is happening. Um, yesterday, yeah. a little bit less so. So I think this stage was a really, this longer stage, a good addition. I think so as well. This was a really good stage. I think when it comes to um, the stage itself, the breakaway being ahead and so forth gave us action. I wonder if the longer factor, the, the longer stage causes breakaways to be more likely because teams might not feel that they're able to control it, like SD Works and therefore put a rider in the breakaway. The fact that SD Works always goes for that same play every single time that a large breakaway forms is also enjoyable because then you know the break will actually win the stage. And then the fact that it became a bit closer towards the end was also fun, but it's also a combination of the same feeling that I have when I watch the last few stages where other teams keep helping SD Works all over the road. There was a moment where Nivia Doma was closing gaps for Volering on the road. There was a, a moment where Canyon Shram and UAE were, was pacing in the group where they shouldn't have been pacing. And it's something that we see repetitively throughout the year. And the other teams should realize that they should not be helping the favorites of this race Unless they, unless they can actively benefit from doing so. And 
most of the time, they just end up being beaten by SD works at the line if they do that. Now, when it comes to SD works, I read this line on Twitter just a second ago from Kiss Lassie. Being the sports director on SD works is like playing pro cycling manager on the easiest difficulty. It doesn't matter that your strategy is non-existent when the power levels of your rider is so much higher than everyone else. That is one of the most accurate takes I have ever seen. Sam. <laughs> yeah, and apparently AGV seems quite confident. Um so yeah, I think I think Movistar, I think Movistar, honestly, I think they feel good. I think they're like, wow, like we're, we're four stages are, in and we're on eight seconds. It could be more. You were slightly critical on the on the move of Movistar today, as in the two moves they did. Yeah, I think it was did. too aggressive. The first thing, one they did, well, the setup just wasn't there. So if the setup's not great, you should just abort mid-acceleration, yeah. mid because that was useless energy spendage when Van Vleuten was chasing down her own teammate to try and then have a lead out by that teammate because she was gapped on the descent. That, that won't work. But the second attack, I liked the... Attempt to attack towards Sheila Gutierrez, their satellite rider. I don't necessarily like what happened there afterwards, where Gutierrez was kind of pacing in front of Volring and so forth. But I would also say that, something I haven't mentioned in this podcast, that Gutierrez was kind of trying to block Volring. Uh, that was a bit shady. That oh. felt a bit Phillipson-like to oh, me. Oh, go on. Sorry, that was a bit shady. <laughs> I didn't mind it. <laughs> oh, bit of, well, bit, of nigg bit of niggle. <laughs> um, yeah, but an interesting stage nonetheless. I might actually, I'm looking forward to making a video for it. I want to really, really watch, rewatch this final. But, you know, I wonder what will happen tomorrow, Benji. We have on, on air Le Chateau to Albi. This is the, uh, it's kind of two stages in a row. This was the harder, this was the hardest stage for the next two days. So the next two stages are not as hard. 127Ks, you know, 50Ks shorter. And it's, it is hard at the start. Like, there's so many climbs in this year's race that are just not categorized. And then you actually look at them, you're like, hold on, that's one and a half Ks at 7%. And then it keeps climbing for 8Ks. That's hard. Like the first categorized climb is deep in the race, 2.2Ks, 7.6% with 50Ks to go. Then 1,600 meters, 8%. But then it keeps climbing. And then there's another 1,700 meters at 6% where there's a bonus sprint, which messy works i'm like let's go get some bonus seconds here uh before another descent and then another 1700 meter six percent climb but that that's with 25 k's to go it's not that long really like it's half an hour 35 minutes uh with sort of false light downhill and i think to finish is a little bit of a kick up too yeah. i think sd works got to go for the stage win i'm sorry i i'll say it again they should control the stage they should lead out Volering to take those bonus seconds on Castel for days, and then they should give Cape uh, get Capecchi to give Volering a lead out on that uphill kick, and they should make sure that Voss and Vibas and Co are dropped. Which, oh, not Vibas, she's on their own team, but <laughs> Voss and Balsamo. Listen, look at look at this mid look at this middle phase. There is enough steep climbing in there to drop everybody, really. Yeah, I think they can definitely make it hard. I think they won't. I think they'll try and get Weavers over these climbs to go for a sprint. No. Um, I think they will. I generally believe they will. I will want them to... I'd want them to attack with Royster if they go for a stage. If that is their goal, then Royster is the most likely to win this stage, I believe. Yeah, because if, you get her, if you get her at attack at the end of the last cat forward, no one's going to bring her back. Today was harder than this, right? Yes. It was harder than, than what we're seeing on this profile, so... I don't necessarily see it super easy to drop Volering with Van Vleuten on that parkour tomorrow. 
I still well, think tomorrow's hard. Like that first cat three, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're not going to throw that up from the first one, eh? I would, but... <laughs> and the breakaway win. Nah, I don't believe it. Not two yeah. days in a row. You don't reckon a big break again, but uphill start. Why wouldn't the team see what Castellan just did and go again? The problem is also that I reckon DSM might go for, okay, maybe Cole can get over this, even though it's, it looks difficult. But I generally believe that we'll have... So many teams helping out as D-Rooks and controlling whatever happens again. I'm going with the breakaway. I think Anushka Costa wins the stage. Mm -hmm. um, she was quite good in the group behind and she could win an uphill sprint if it's a small breakaway group. So I'm going with Costa just to be a little bit different, but she's looked in good shape. Obviously, Royster and SD Works can win the stage or Voss or, or Persico, actually, if Persico I'll can get Royster. over these climbs. Yeah. Okay, you go Royce, I'm going Costa, but my saver from the GC group is uh, Persico. Did she Ooh. finish in front or behind Lippert? Behind her, that's no good. That means Lippert's more of an option. Um, but <laughs> I'll go with Persico to change it up from the GC group. But Costa, breakaway win is what I'm going with. So yeah, should be another interesting stage. We'll have a lot of backseat, backseat DSing maybe tomorrow, but I enjoyed a lot today. And yeah, lots to talk about. Is I feel it's bubbling up till this weekend, Benji. Yeah. The, the interviews from Volring and Van Vleuten, I feel it's yeah, bubbling. I won't lie, when it comes to stages like today, we have a lot to talk about, but sometimes seeing every team make the wrong decision every single second in the span of 10 kilometers sometimes triggers me as well. I'm like, how? How? And like, if SD Works makes the wrong decision to do something, and the other team responds in the wrong way as well, I'm like, I don't know who is doing the right thing anymore. <laughs> but hey, yeah. cycling, women's cycling would probably be boring if SD Works always made the right decision. Yeah, or... And men's racing too. Well, SD Works isn't in men's racing, so they can't but make yeah. the right decision there. <laughs> Kopecky and Van Aert. Some similarities. <laughs> see um anyway anyway uh but yeah i can't wait for tomorrow i think uh and the weekend i'm i'm really getting excited for the weekend now because it's so close um i can feel something crazy coming on like love welter but anyway uh in other news <laughs> there was another suspension this time not for anything related to doping this time i, I couldn't believe it and when i saw the tweet i saw it i was like an incident, UCI statement on the incident involving Philip Matthew. I was like, did he do something else? <laughs> because, but no, this is in relation to Matthew. If you don't remember, the Bahrain victorious rider, I think he's on his Neopro contract, who oh, I might be too old for that, but who went off the road, came back into the road, caused a crash at Tour of Flanders on the 2nd of April. 2nd of April, which is... Three months ago, three and a half months ago, nearly four months ago. And they said the disciplinary commission found the rider to have acted in breach of the regs for having caused the crash of several riders in the peloton after riding outside the race course and through a puddle on the roadside. Well, that's okay. Of course, because he was literally disqualified from the race during the race, which was yeah. upheld. So that's not new. And he'll serve a period of suspension of 30 days starting yesterday on 25 July. So... He misses, uh, he was in the Polish team for World Championships, so he'll miss yes. that. And the Tour de Polonia, which I assume he would have been doing for Bahrain victorious, because that's in August, I think. I hate this decision. Honestly, I hate this decision. At the time, I was saying there needs to be something more. 
so that people know that they shouldn't be doing this. But three months later, nearly a bit more than three months later, that's that's just not okay. And especially after Matichuk has had his like public court already. Next to that, he apologized publicly, repeated. Well, he didn't repeat the same action at all in any race from that point onwards. Didn't break a rule. He since got DSQ'd. Yeah, he got disqualified already in the race. So all those things together, I bet you. I'll show you. So Brugge de Panne, the week before this race happened, or a week and a half before, women's Brugge de Panne, Lorena Wiebes goes off the road, goes back on the road, crashes half her group, including Kopecky. That is exactly the same scenario. Exactly the same scenario. What is the difference? There's no media uproar about Wiebes doing it. There's media uproar about Maciejczyk doing it in a monument in Ronde van Vlaanderen. And the fact that media uproar is one of the most important criteria oh, in yeah, when the Birani. UCI applies rules <laughs> is completely fucked. That should not be happening. And this is a joke. Like, this is actually a joke. I mean, it wouldn't be... If, if they'd come out, I mean... Like, this was broadcasted live on television from seven yeah. angles. We saw it live. He got DSQ'd live. How does it take three months to, to give the guy a suspension? And it it's feels... Kind of like, it's, it, it, it's like they feel like they've waited for the most punitive time to give him the 30-day suspension because he's going worlds and his home race. It feels like they came together for the first time since that event a week ago and decided all the UCI decisions at once at a roundtable and are now releasing them every single day. <laughs> I mean, it is a bit of a joke, the Lopez thing. I thought about it more last night. I was like, really? It was okay when he's cleaning up every race in South America or Central America, all the 2.2s. That was fine. But then you saw him on a start list in a European in Europe, and you're like, nah, too fucking far. You're provisionally suspended. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, if Lopez wasn't on the world's start list, would he have been provisionally suspended? And could he have just kept up cleaning, cleaning up Panama, the I don't Panamanian know. races? I, I don't know. Because, yeah, this is like three months after for an incident we saw live. It's not complicated. I'm sure he wouldn't even contest it. I think it shows to me that the UCI's priorities are in the wrong place. Instead of giving harsh punishments to a rider that did it three months ago, they should be giving smaller punishments yeah, to riders sure. that are breaking this rule every single race. That's the thing. People are going off the road so many times. Wellens before that crash, 20 seconds before Machichuk crashed him in that way, went in the same way off the road and went on the road again to pass people. So every rider in the group does it. And Machichuk gets blamed because he ends up crashing someone out. I understand that maybe there's more penalty if you actually cause harm doing it. But... Then in other races, Weebus crashes people on and it doesn't happen. So I'm like, I'd rather see it consistent across the board than seeing this guy be put as an example without any incentive for other riders to stop because you're not punishing them that when they do it. Yeah, it was like the Buani thing. Like Buani only got suspended because people went on Twitter and went crazy about it. That's the yeah. reality. Like that's that's what happened then, because his name's Nasa Buani. I see moves that bad or worse. Every week, and no one cares. So that's un it's unfortunate. Like because it reminds me sort of of um, you know, in a in a system or a society where, you know, technically corruption is illegal, but really it's the understanding is everyone does it. 
But then once someone actually politically or too much pressure happens and that person gets scapegoated, then the punishment for the act for the corruption, which half the people do, is like so over the top and crazy. Um, yeah. And that's sort of what happened here. Like Matthew, yeah, he made a mistake three and a half months ago that he, yeah, anyway. Um, they should have just let it go at this point. It's too late. I don't want it anymore. I reject. Oh, yeah, because everyone saw it. was like, what? <laughs> that happened in spring. <laughs> We've passed the summer solstice. <laughs> like, anyway, um, I mean, it is what it is. He won't do it again, hopefully, and maybe it's a lesson to others not to do it, but yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, something's changed, something's stay the same. But that's all from us. I don't think there's any other news we have today in, in the cycling world. Um, We'll see you at the recap of Stage 5 of the Tour de France Femme of X-Swift tomorrow. Till then, ciao.